The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. From noon onward, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at about three o'clock, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabatani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of the bystanders who heard it said, this one is calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran to get a sponge. He soaked it in wine and putting it on a reed, gave it to him to drink. But the rest said, wait, let us see if Elijah comes to save him. But Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, gave up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the sanctuary was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth quaked, rocks were split, tombs were opened, and the bodies of many saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming forth from their tomb after his resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. The centurion and the men with him who were keeping watch over Jesus feared greatly what they saw, the earthquake and all that was happening. And they said, truly, this was the Son of God. The Gospel of the Lord. It was Friday, November 23rd, 2001. One day after Thanksgiving, 19 days after the Diamondbacks won the World Series against New York, who 54 days before that had just been ripped open. along with the rest of the nation. September 11th, 2001. A day we will never forget. So there I was, 73 days after our nation lost its innocence, at a concert. The show, you 2 Elevation tour, it was the third leg. I love you too. I had seen the first leg. I was not going to miss the second leg, regardless of what was going on. Because I think that um, from the start, especially once we got there, we all knew that this concert was something different. Uh, sure, we were there for music. 17,000 people crammed into what was then America West Arena, all ready to hear a band play songs. But what we were really therefore, and you could feel it in that room, was healing. We were there for healing. 
Much like right now, here in 2020, we find ourselves, and I found myself then, in a position where I just wanted things to go back to the time before, when we were still innocent, when we could do everything that we wanted, where we weren't worried about pain in that way on a national global scale. We had our own stuff to deal with, and that was plenty, and we could escape it. But the world changed, as the world's changing now. So at that concert, you could feel the longing to escape through music. Instead of an escape, though, I found encouragement. So I believe that that's what music does, right? So I'm a musician, so of course I'm going to say something like that. But I do. I believe that music heals. Music shows us how to feel. Music is the sound of our feelings and our emotions. Um, it pulls something out of us, something that we can't put into words. Uh, music also is an anchor for a memory, right? So I remember that song. I remember where I was the first time I heard it, right? We all have those kind of stories, right? Music is that anchor for a memory, that moment. Um, and that's what that concert did for me. I can still picture in my mind almost every moment of that show. Almost every moment of what we experience together. It's right there. Especially that one moment. If you're a YouTube fan, that was a play on words. They start the song... One. One love, but we're not the same. We'll carry each other. Carry each other. One. And as those words were being sung, the names of everybody who lost their life in that attack on September 11th scrolled higher and higher into the heavens. And the names just went. And they kept going. All the names from the towers, all the names from the flights. There was not a dry eye in that place. 17,000 people, music united them in that moment. We were one. Singing along. And it didn't just end there. For the rest of the show, I had one of the best church experiences of my life in an arena with 17,000 people at a U2 rock concert as they continued to sing songs that brought glory and honor to the victims to those we love, and to everybody in the room until they ended with Walk On, a song about leaving it behind. We were primed for that moment, right? So we're ready to leave this behind and go out from this concert with such joy. And what does is, what is, what is Bono start doing? He goes, hallelujah. And 17,000 people start singing, hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. And a chorus that was roaring loud. I knew in that moment that God was everywhere. That was the moment for me where I recognized that he holds the copyright to everything. So you see the hallelujah was brilliantly set up by Bono. Because just a few songs before, they sang Where the Streets Have No Name, a song about heaven. You know, it starts with that guitar riff from Edge that's iconic. And Larry Mullen Jr. is just pulsing on the kick and the snare's rolling and it starts to come in and build. And Adam Clayton's holding it down on the bass. And it builds and builds for like two minutes. Well, during that build, Bono spoke these words. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice in supplication, because he has inclined his ear to me the day I called. The cords of death encompassed me. The snares of the netherworld seized upon me. I fell into distress and sorrow and called upon the name of the Lord. O oh, Lord, save me. And then into where the streets have no name. I don't know if you know that, those words that I just said, but they're Psalm 116. Psalm 116 was the setup to a song about heaven, about rescue, our eternal rescue, that then moved into one and ended with walk on and hallelujah. See, the Psalms validate our humanity. They're music. That's what they are. They're music, right? So they validate our humanity. They're the anchor that can bring us to a moment. The Psalms are ancient texts that reflect a relationship of love. Ancient texts that reflect a relationship of love, of love with our God. Love that is so wide, it can encompass it all. All. They hold our pain. They hold our praise. They hold our gratitude. They hold our complaints. They hold our sorrow. They hold our joy. They are wide enough to hold it all. The Psalms, unlike any other part in Scripture, really truly show humanity from the heights to the depths. 
And so we've all heard kind of like, you know, maybe the traditional breakdowns of how psalms are. You know, sometimes they're three, sometimes they're five, but they all kind of go psalms of thanksgiving, psalms of praise, psalms of lament, psalms of wisdom, sometimes royal psalms. You hear those kind of breakdowns, and they're awesome, and they help us describe all of those moments in our journey, all of those moments in our lives. So... Um, I've kind of always knew that and never really experienced it until my good friend and former boss over at the Francisco Renewal Center, Norbert, introduced me to the work of Walter Bergerman. And it changed those definitions. His work talks about seasons of life. We all have seasons. We have those ups. We have those downs. We have those good moments. We have those bad moments. We have, we have those sorrows, those joys, all of which the Psalms can encompass, right? So this work kind of breaks it open in this way. Those seasons are seasons of orientation, seasons of disorientation, and seasons of reorientation. And uh, if I were to ever so eloquently simplify it, um, it would kind of look something like this. All is well, all is hell. All is well again because we made it through hell. You know, that's kind of these seasons of, of, of orientation, disorientation, and reorientation. And those are those moments that we have. And we hear those, right? So we know that Psalms... Psalms of praise are those seasons of orientation. All is well. We sang it at the very beginning. This was all intentional. We sang at the very beginning, Psalm 136. Forever God is faithful. Forever God is with us. A song of praise, a song of orientation. We are there. All is well. Um, seasons of disorientation. Uh, this is the all is hell moments. And I would like to tell you that these were the smallest part of the book of Psalms, but 70% of all of the psalms written are psalms that come from a season of disorientation. They're seasons of lament. Now, so we have 70% of all of these psalms written in that season, and we can just see it. And one of the perfect examples is what we heard in the gospel. Psalm 22. Jesus' last words on the cross. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? See, we sometimes forget that Jesus was a Jew. He would have been steeped in these psalms. He would have prayed them. So in that moment of distress, that psalm became life. It became a prayer that he said, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why have you forsaken me? And for every other Jew that was there, they would have finished the prayer. They would have heard that psalm and kept going and praying with him. Now, we know there weren't many there because we hear about the centurion and the people who don't understand and think he's calling out to Elijah, but it pointed to one of the most powerful messianic psalms, one that talks about the crucifixion, that talks about the suffering and death that Jesus was going to go through. So not only was he using it as a prayer, he was using it as a reminder that he's been there, and that these psalms encompass everything. So, 70% of these psalms 
are psalms of lament, psalms of disorientation. Now, 0% of Christian mainstream music tends to be songs of disorientation or lament. Uh, so I want to go back to Bono because I thought this quote was hysterical. Um, when talking about the Psalms, Bono um, described it this way. I've always been skeptical of Christian music. Write a song about your bad marriage. Write a song about how you're pissed off at the government. Because that's what God wants. The truth. He's the way. He's the truth. And he's the life. Why wouldn't we give him our truth in our life? And so one of the most powerful psalms of lament that I have heard came from a Christian artist, so um, I had to just discredit Bono for the most part and at least say that there's one, but I also promise you that this song is not a song that would be sung in a church. Tyson Watzenbacher uh, is a phenomenal singer-songwriter and understands life and and shares his life. Um, To me, like David and the psalmists shared theirs. The ups, the downs, the pains, the sorrow. He lost his mom to cancer. And he wrote a psalm of lament. um, Hitting those moments where he said, God, why are you listening to everybody else and not me? And out came a prayer, something that he calls a song of hope. You'll hear it and not think that it's too hopeful. But to be able to be there when all is hell, is part of the journey. You were loudly living on your final 90 pounds cross-legged on the south port With the Bible in your hand When I prayed for healing My father's words rang through the door Son, I don't think Jesus is in business of healing anymore Maybe he's occupied with other people's wars or he's organized militia to fight the war on Christmas or maybe he's protecting Our children from the gates Who have promised to destroy This utopia we've made In his name 
in his name. In his name. So the early father's writings to build that younger church up tall. They said faith without the actions that isn't anything at all. I know perspective isn't static between what I see and what you do. But if you choose to stand by idly, what does that make you? Because I heard that you've been speaking through the man on the TV and you helped the Dallas Mavericks with their field goal percentage. So when my mother's doctor calls again, more bad news it's an honest heart's reaction oh my god have you been listening to been listening to who you've been listening to In your name, in your name, in your name, in your So where's the hope? It's also found in the Psalms. The Psalms of reorientation. We've made it through hell. So all is well again. These are Psalms like Psalm 30. I will praise you, Lord, for you have rescued me. Psalms like Psalm 40, another U2 reference. I have waited patiently for the Lord. I have waited, waited for the Lord, and he stooped towards me and heard my cry. He drew me out of the pit. You see, our disorientation is an opportunity to recognize that God is ever-present. He walked with us through hell. And so we learn. So now what? 
I can't tell that part of Tyson's story without allowing him to share his quote of reorientation. He says, one of my favorite professors in college told me that anybody can burn something down and walk away. To hold a belief loosely as a static endeavor to reform, to criticize in loyalty, that's the goal. And that is so difficult. We need to hold on to our doubt, our lament, hold on to our pain. Hold on to our hurt in loyalty, fighting for the changes that we see, and we see this right now in our world that's lamenting over many things, and they're holding that and fighting to turn that into love, into joy, turn doubt into faith, and despair into hope. Nights like this help us. We come here to Jesus to reorient. Jesus who suffered, who prayed the Psalms with his very last breath and reveals, just as the Psalms do, the fullness of our humanity. The Psalms. Ancient texts that reflect a relationship of love. Remember, if you've ever heard me speak, it's always going to come down to love. These ancient texts reflect a relationship of love. So this relationship of love that is unreasonably and recklessly spacious enough to hold it all. All of your life. These psalms are the soundtrack of our life. Our life is a psalm. Let's keep singing, knowing that Jesus is here to join in our song. And we know that Jesus joins in our song. And we just need to look to Psalm 23 to see it. Gently you lead me. Psalm of reorientation. Shepherd be your God, 
that you shepherd us. Shepherd us now from death to life. Through the seasons of orientation when all is well, through the seasons of disorientation where all is hell, through the seasons of reorientation when all is well again because you brought us through hell. That's your promise. It's the promise of Romans 8. 
you will work all things together. Work all things for good for those who love you. We love you, Lord.